And Saul told Jonathan his son and all his servants to put David to death. But Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, is seeking to put you to death. Now therefore, please, be on guard in the morning, and stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. If I find out anything, then I will tell you. Then Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Do not let the king sin against his servant David, since he has not sinned against you, and since his deeds have been very beneficial to you. For he took his life in his hand and struck Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. And you saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by putting David to death without a cause? Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan, and Saul vowed, As the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these words. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as formerly. So, Saul's getting desperate. So far, he's used tactics to try to uh, eliminate David, but that would not be so obvious. But what does he do here? <coughs> he's got a death warrant. Yeah! He tells his servants to kill David. Anybody can find him, kill him. Well, Jonathan does what immediately? Warns David he better hide. And, and Jonathan is going to try to uh, vouch for uh, David and to, you know, talk to Saul on his behalf, which he does. He explains to Saul how David had blessed him so much and, and all that. And Saul listens and promises he won't be killed. And so Jonathan tells David, and David feels secure now, being again in Saul's presence. Comments, thoughts. Yes, right. You have to really respect Jonathan in this situation. I mean, you would think, I mean, there were probably temptations for him to get, you know, jealous of David for all the attention he's been getting. But obviously, he wasn't jealous because he, he would have just turned a man here kill him, you know. And he's willing to defend his friend to his father. That could have gotten him in some pretty big trouble, too. But I, I appreciate his loyalty to him, Gavin. What's the kind of age relationship between Jonathan and David? <laughs> Pictured him was kind of the same age, but we see Jonathan fighting battles like before David even comes to the picture. And Jonathan's older, it might even be harder for him to give up the throne. Good point. You would think Jonathan would be somewhat older, I think, by the way, the story Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. that Jonathan is quite brave because um, he's already been threatened to, to be killed by his own father before. Um, and yet he's going against his father right now to speak to him to say, don't kill my friend. You know, and it could be dangerous. He could be potentially threatened to be killed himself just for going to speak to his father like that. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I agree. Right. He seems to have it out for people that are winning really big battles for him. <laughs> that, that doesn't seem to be uh, very much in his own self-interest even, does it? Other thoughts? <coughs> Uh, Robert. It's interesting that here he's made another valid illumination. Yeah, that's a good point also. He doesn't respect his vows too much. Alright, uh, eight, uh, Chuck. It's funny that Saul's so easily persuaded, I mean, in this situation and also with um, Jonathan when his life was at stake. And they said, you know, don't kill him. And 
Jonathan didn't die. And then here you have David. And I don't know, Saul has no conviction in any, anything that he believes. Um, I don't, he just has no backbone. Well, if you don't have the Lord, what principle do you have to keep you consistent? You know, you're kind of swayed by your emotions or by who talked to you last or whatever because you don't really have a principle that, that's solid that you can tie to. Patrick? It's funny because the more and more Saul tries to hold on to his exalted kingship, the more and more pathetic he seems. I mean, what king allows the people to tell him, no, you're not going to kill Jonathan? And what king allows his son to come to him and say, no, you're not going to kill David? It, it just seems to me the farther... Saul goes into his pride, but far more pathetic than he comes. Yeah, I agree with that. Good point. Uh, Larry. Gary, one thing I really like about this David and Jonathan is it seems like their relationship, their closeness is a bond they have in the Lord. I mean, they really, really seem to share that, and that seems to be the thing that brings them the closest together. Um, you know, I think it's really, it's really neat when the people that we're close to, the reason why we're close to them is because the love of the Lord binds us together. It's, I mean, it's a great relationship. We talk about those things truly. Yeah, much deeper friendship when it's on that basis, Terry. Well, it's interesting to me that you see Jonathan, the same character that he had when, when he was Saul, he had eaten the honey, and, and you know how he responded in that situation right there, still respectful to his father. You see that same thing here, but you see that Jonathan... Is I'm impressed with his. He's wise. He you can see that here's a man that considers. He's backed up, and he, he looks to me like he considers the whole picture and makes a decision based on uh, well, good judgment. What he what I'm seeing, John. I agree. Good point. All right, eight to seventeen. When there was war again, David went out and fought the Philistines and defeated them with great slaughter so that they fled before him. Now there was an evil spirit from the Lord on Saul as he was sitting in his house with a spear in his hand and David was playing the harp with his hand. Saul tried to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence so that he stuck the spear to the wall and David fled and escaped from him. Then Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him in order to put him to death in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be put to death. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went out and fled and escaped. Michael took the household idol and laid it on the bed and put a quilt of goat's hair at its head and covered it with clothes. When Saul sent messengers to take David, she said he is sick. Then Saul sent messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up to me on his bed, that I may put him to death. When the messengers entered, behold, the household idol was on the bed with a quilt of goat's hair at its head. So Saul said to Michael, Why have you deceived me like this and let my enemy go so that he has escaped? And Michael said to Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I put you to death? Okay, more war with the Philistines. David defeats them. I can imagine that increases his uh, popularity. And there's this evil spirit on Saul again. And David's playing the harp, trying to calm him. And what does Saul try to do again? Kill him with the spear. And David flees. <clears throat> Flee is almost the uh, favorite word of this era. How many times will David have to flee from Saul? 
Well, he doesn't look much like David's being favored by God. Doesn't look much like God is with him. Doesn't look much like David will be the next king. We must not be deceived by appearances. Well, that's not good enough. When David flees, David goes to his house. Saul sends messengers to watch the house and bring David. But Michael, Saul, David's wife, Saul's daughter, tells him he better escape. And she helps him escape from the house through the window. <laughs> and then, um, what kind of a trick does she use to deceive Saul's servants? Saul's messengers. <laughs> Yeah, how does she do that? <coughs> she takes a household idol, puts some goat, a quilt of goat's hair on his head, and covers it with clothes, and it kind of, from a distance, makes it look like David's there laying in the bed. And she tells Saul's messengers, oh, he's sick. See, there he's in bed. And they can glance in there, and it looks like there's somebody in bed in there. So they go back and tell Saul, he said we can't bring him. Well, what's Saul say? Bring him onto the bed. Okay. Bed and all, I don't care. Bring him. He's got to be killed. Of course, then they go in and find out, ah, it's just this idol with the goat's hair quilt on it that kind of was dressed up to look like a human being. It's really not. And so Saul comes and falls out Michael and says, why have you deceived me like this and let my enemy go so that he's escaped? And Michael said, well, he, he told me, let, me, let me go. Why should I put you to death? He threatened me, and so I had to. So a lot of things to think about in this. Think about Michael. It was her idea for David to escape, and she helped him do it. Do you see how Saul's vendetta against David is being thwarted by his own children? Jonathan, Mike, Saul doesn't have a lot of company. You know, he's pretty isolated because even his own children are, are, are against him. Now, does, does using a household idol to deceive one's father remind you of anyone? Rachel. Rachel. Remember when she did that in uh, Genesis 34, or at least she, she hid the household idol and, and deceived her father. It's kind of a, a, a parallel. And uh, kind of makes you think Michael's a little bit like her father, Saul, in some ways. Um, I have wondered why she had a household idol. That's a bit troubling. I will say, though, Household idols are useful for something. You know? <laughs> they come in handy for tricks once in a while. You know, uh, maybe that's a, a, a lesson that can be learned from that. Um, I'm guessing Michael has this because probably Saul would have things like that. I don't know. But at any rate, uh, she's able to use that to uh, her advantage. And she's able to buy David some time to escape by doing that. But it's really upsetting to learn that David had threatened to kill Michael if she didn't uh, help him escape. Don't you think? Who you got to believe? Yeah. I, it's, 
It's a little hard to believe Michael when she's Saul's daughter and she does some of the things she's done. I'm assuming that was just what she said to keep Saul from being mad at her. You know how people are. And uh, it's typical for somebody to lie when they're in kind of a jam. So, uh, so I'm assuming David did not really say that. Comments and thoughts, Justin? Is there any significance in verse 9 of uh, his hand? It says the spirit's in his hand and he's playing the harp with his hand. I mean, is that like kind of shows like just kind of what they're doing? Kind of the contrast between them. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Kind of like idle hands or devil's workshop and what you do with your hands is what you're... Well, if, if they got these two different things in their hand, it kind of accentuates the parallel but the parallel just emphasizes the contrast. One of them's got a heart to soothe, the other one's got a spear to kill. I think it's interesting that Saul has broken another oath, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And he later tried to do do that again. Right. Yeah, he he doesn't respect his word. Roger? As I think you said, uh, really came out when you said uh, that it didn't look I imagine to David and to the people around him that that really God favored um, uh, David over Saul. Actually, um, it kind of looked the opposite. It's interesting that we would we all assume that there was no doubt about it that when David killed Goliath, man, God really favors David. But there's times when God shows us that He favors us by delivering us from these difficult situations. And I think like we don't like those, you know. We like let's kill Goliath. Let's win those big victories. But there's also times where God really shows us that He cares about us, that He favors us when He delivers us out of out of out of problems. We should serve God no matter what our circumstances. Other thoughts, comments? Cameron? Um, you kind of explained it earlier, but I just have a question about about the idol. So David's wife had. She did. And David was still there. Because it's still there. She had a household idol, that's what I know. Patrick. Um, are we to assume that it was wrong for her to have lied to the messengers? I've always thought that was curious that it was by deception that she bought David time. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I assume it's always wrong when we lie. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> I, I was wondering if there was anything. <laughs> She's a lot like her father. <laughs> yes. Some, some translations say household item, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a. Uh, okay. That's interesting. Other thoughts? Well, Saul still hasn't got his hands on David. Eighteen to twenty-four. Saul, he sent other messengers and they also prophesied. 
So Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. <laughs> then he himself went to Ramah and came as far as the large well uh, that is at Zikim. And he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Behold, they are at Naapah in, in Ramah. And he proceeded there <coughs> to Naapah in Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him so that, they, that he went along prophesying continually until he came to Naapah uh, in Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and took and prophesied before Samuel and lay down naked all day and all night. Therefore they say, Is Saul also among the prophets? So when Saul escapes his house, when David escapes his house, where does he go for protection? To Samuel. Well, Saul finds out that's where David is, so he sends some messengers to try to get David. And to, to like arrest him and take him back. What do the messengers do? <coughs> They come down to Samuel and they start prophesying. So Saul sends another group of messengers. And what do they do? Prophesy. A third group of messengers. They prophesy. Tell you what, if you want something right, you're going to have to do it yourself. <laughs> Isn't that frustrating? You know, in the war with, uh, with David, uh, Saul becomes disgusted with the inefficiency of his messengers. And so he goes down there. And what happens when Saul goes down there? He starts prophesying. Man, the Lord can protect David in all sorts of ways. He's used all different kinds of things. David's dexterity, Jonathan's intercession, you know, Michael's uh, deception, uh, making Saul prophesy, and on and on. You see God's in charge of this. It looks very much like David is escaping by about a half a hair length over and over again. But from our perspective of faith, God doesn't care if it's half hair length. That's a, that's a mile for God. He, he's not going to let David die, but he lets things come a little closer. Comments and questions? Yes. I think it's, it's nice to see even continually David's I guess, attitude that when he's being oppressed, when he's fleeing, where does he go to? It's a Samuel. It's a good choice, don't you think? Yeah. Derek? I think this whole process is, is setting David up and showing the people about it, what a great king and what a great person he is from all the things that he's come through, all these events, send messages that would, would be remembered by, uh, by Israelites when David was in position. Mm-hmm. Very good. Stephen? This seems like kind of a bizarre and unique account where the Spirit of God just comes on these guys, you know, without their consent, and they just start prophesying, which I guess incapacitates them to be killing David while they're prophesying. Um, I've been taking And obviously, you know, Saul lays down naked day and night. And so it's, is there anything else in Scripture quite like this where suddenly the Spirit of God is falling on people and you've got uh, people prophesying involuntarily? And Well, we remember in chapter, um, which chapter was it, the 10, that Saul started prophesying when he met that group of prophets right after Samuel had anointed him. Uh, he didn't have a you know assassination mission in mind at the moment, but uh, at least he did prophesy at that point. 
And they also said that. It's all among the prophets. You know, it's <laughs> unlikely that he would be the one to prophesy that. Um, why does Saul get naked? <laughs> don't know. And I don't know that that means stark naked. Uh, it may mean he took off his kingly garments. You know, he doesn't. he's not dressed up as a king. Wow. I think it have it's like okay, so Saul got up to David to kill him, but when he actually uh, was in the temple, was Samuel was at, I don't think he have a choice. I don't think any human being have a choice when you go to God. I mean, they don't. They don't have a choice to say. Uh, I don't think we will have a choice to. This is how I'm gonna get at. This is how when I see uh, we might have you know all sort of I might have all sort of you know plan and scheme and uh, do. Uh, on my own thinking, you know, apparently Saul was thinking a lot of, you know, he have his own strategy, he have all sort of plan to kill, because he think he's in control, because he's the king. But when he see the king of king, then he have no choice. How are you gonna act? He maybe he was originally naked. Who knows? But maybe that that, that uh, the, the intention he was that he didn't plan doing that. So God just showed everyone that even a king have no choice when he approached to me. Amen. That's exactly right. Important. Yeah, yeah. How do you reconcile 1924 with 1535? Uh, um, it says, uh, Satan did not see Saul against David's death. I would prefer to say this. There's several possibilities. But I think the point of chapter 15 may be Samuel did not go to Saul <coughs> as a messenger. Now, this encounter when Saul came down to Samuel to get David would not really have counted as Samuel going to see Saul. That would be my question. But there's other options. Anything else? Good question. Michael. Depending on how you read then in 20 verse 1, could David not even have known that Saul was right there? I mean, maybe he finds out about it and then he flees? Um... You mean, all right, David fled from his house to Samuel. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, then he flees from Samuel. Maybe after he heard about Saul being so close in verse 20. Okay, I see. I got you. I got you. I don't know what he knew. I'm just thinking, I mean, of, of anyone, David could have said, but, and he did in the song, but... Why or what? You know, where's the relief? All of this, you know, one challenge after another, and maybe here there was a challenge that God diverted, and He didn't even know about it until afterwards. And how many times maybe do we see ourselves saying, "Where's the relief?" When God is protecting other challenges from coming our way, we don't even know. That is a good point. We have no idea. How many times God may have spared us from temptation or danger or whatever? That is a good point. Uh, it kind of reminds me when Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4 was, uh, well, he had a dream, Daniel interpreted the dream, and then it actually happened where he became like a beast of the field and he ate grass and his hair grew long <coughs> and his fingernails grew out like claws of the eagle. And that was certainly something that was involuntary yes. and brought. And the, it was the moment that he said, 
Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself built as a royal residence by the my, of my power and for the glory of my majesty? And God immediately humbled him. When I see um, King here, uh, uh, King Saul going, and all of a sudden he's prophesying, he takes off all of his clothes and lays down as something that's probably not voluntary. Uh, it, I mean, if he, even if he didn't take off all of his clothes, this was something that was a very, very shameful experience. For him to to take off his kingly garments, if that's what it is, really I mean, humiliating. But but I mean, yeah, but, yeah, but especially if it was everything. Sure. Sure. <coughs> yeah. Here it's all about our perspective. Even in this forum today, we've, we've commented on how hard it is to see that God was with David, but He's still alive. Exactly. God was with him. Exactly. Yes, I think that's a very good point. God was, and that's evidence of it. If that's what, if you can see that, yes. All right, good comments. Anything else? John, I've already said this, but like, is this a sign to Saul that, um, that he shouldn't be doing what he is? <laughs> I would say so. You know, I mean. God's not letting him kill David, which is what he's trying to do. Is that the main purpose? Well, I think the main purpose is protecting David. That's what I think. All right. Well, good good comments, good discussion. I think we'll not try to go into chapter 20 before we take a break. It's a pretty long chapter. So why don't we, in a moment, we're going to have a prayer before we do this, I think. But uh, 